when you preach Psalm 46, um, you uh, invariably end up, at least I did, it's Psalm 100. As I shared with you last week, we went. Karen had been home for nine weeks, I've been home for four weeks, and a lot of voices, you know, people want us to come back home. We've been here 15 years, they want us to come home. And uh, so, a lot of voices... And as I shared with you last week, we just wanted to turn and look at God, which we did this week. And when you look at God, you end up at Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord of all the earth. Amen? If you look at Him, if you look at the, the biblical God, I'm not talking about the cartoon Jesus, I'm talking about the biblical Jesus. When you look at Him, everything comes into proper perspective. As one theologian said, Jesus makes everything just the right size. Right? You think you've got huge problems? Look at Christ. He'll make your huge problem just the right size. It's what the biblical God does for His people. So I wanted to start this way. I remember when I was in seminary, um, I got a mailing from a local church and it said this, uh, Hey, we have cool pastors and relevant messages. And I thought to myself, I wonder why the apostles never thought of this. Why you don't read this in the New Testament? We're cool apostles and we bring relevant messages. Uh, I couldn't help but laugh. I kept that, that postcard for a long time because I never wanted to forget what I never wanted to devolve into. And obviously, ICM doesn't have this problem. We don't have a cool pastor. We have an old pastor, but we don't have to worry about a cool pastor. And I don't preach relevant messages. I, if, if you know what this is code for, in the, in the profession, relevant means the preacher's going to talk all about you and how God can serve you. That's a relevant message. God exists to serve you. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week. That's a relevant message. You know, I've been critiqued in my pastoral ministry for preaching too much theology. <laughs> but, how can you preach too much Christ? Amen? How can you preach too much theology? What is theology? What is theology? It's how we think about God. It's how we speak about God. It's how we relate to God. And again, I'm always talking about the biblical God, not all of the pseudo-Christs that are in the world and in the false church. So, we don't preach sermonettes in this church. If you like sermonettes, don't come back. I don't do that. Because sermonettes create, have you heard this before? Christianettes. And Christianettes always waste their life. Because they think it's about them. They think God and the cosmos exists to make them happy. <laughs> this is what much of modern Christianity has devolved into. God is my hey boy. He's my servant. It's what prayer is for. Prayer is not... You know, about getting to know God and relating to God and loving God. Prayer so I can get more stuff. We talked a little bit about this last week. I looked at the word relevant. 
And I found three synonyms. Effectively, what is being said, and again, you may not be aware of this when the word relevant is being used by a, a church or a pastor. It means serviceability, usefulness, and utility. The utility of God. How can I use God? How can God be serviceable for me? At ICM, we don't blaspheme God this way. We hold God up. We hold the biblical God up. And you can love Him or not. It's your choice. Love the biblical God or not. But we'll not hold up some caricature. We won't do it. If God shuts the door, if nobody comes, we'll not hold up a caricature. We'll not preach a false gospel. Life's too short. I don't, I'm not going to waste my time and I'm not going to waste your time. You know, if you want the cartoon Jesus, don't come here. We're not going to talk about him. I find him uninteresting. We're going to talk about the biblical Jesus. Maybe it's why we have 40 people. <laughs> Maybe it's why we average 40 people. Most people don't want to hear what the biblical God actually says. Most people really don't want to hear it. So, if Jesus Christ is a side issue to you, if Jesus Christ is peripheral in your life, ICM's probably not for you. This church, we confess our need and we fall prostrate before this awesome God and we cry out for His help. And that for the few moments we're walking this planet as compared to eternity, that He might use us for His glory. I always love what American preacher, contemporary American preacher John MacArthur says. <laughs> he says, Christianity is not a makeover, right? It's not a makeover. What is it? You tell me. It's not a makeover. What is it? It's a takeover. <laughs> right? God invades the life. He invades the life. And the Spirit of God borns you again and everything begins to change. Everything begins to change. And we know from the Bible that Jesus is not interested Jesus Christ is not interested in lukewarm Christianity. He's not interested in folks who consider Him to be peripheral in their, in, in, in their lives. He's not interested in that. You know, you read the Gospels, if you read the, through the Gospels a few times, you realize that uh, Jesus, many times He would have a multitude following Him and, and immediately He would turn around and just say something extremely difficult and the people would just always peel off. It's just always been true. Most people don't want to hear what the Creator God has to say. They just really don't want to hear it. So, as I said, I've been critiqued for preaching too much theology, but I'm just not sure what else I'm supposed to do. If I really love you, now, if I don't really care much about you, I'll... Preach whatever you want to hear. Just tell me. Email me. Tell me what you would like to hear and I'll preach it next Sunday. But I wouldn't want to be one of those guys on the last day. You know, I have to answer to God about what I've said to you. Jim, why didn't you tell, why didn't you tell them I was awesome? 
Why didn't, you Why didn't you tell him I was worthy to live for and worthy to die for? Why didn't you tell him? Why didn't you distinguish me from all the cartoons, the, the, the pseudo-cartoon gods that are alive and well in the world? Beloved, you don't need another feel-good sermon. You don't need one more of those. You just need to hear from God. It's like, like I told you last week when Karen and I got back. Man, I just needed to look at God. I needed, I needed to be still before God. I needed to tremble before God. I needed to be in awe of God. I can't listen to every other voice in the world because I know you've got a lot of conflicting voices in your life. You have to choose. I'm going to listen to God or I'm going to listen to the world and everybody in it. You have to decide. You know, what quality of life do you want? <laughs> do, you want to be, do you want to have a God-honoring life which only can come as you're in the Word and you're still before Him? You're with God's people. You're under the preached Word. It's the only way. You don't need another feel-good message. You've heard me say it a million times. I stole it from, I'm sure, John Piper. Bad theology hurts people. Actually, bad theology damns people. So what we try to do here is have some integrity with the Bible and just simply try to accurately state what it says. Bad theology, it's on display every day. It's why people love themselves more than they love God. That's real bad theology. As we talked about last week, if you love the reflection in the mirror more than you love God, <laughs> you're a victim of bad theology. It's why pseudo-Christianity and every false religion exists. Bad theology. It's why people covet and steal. Bad theology. Hey, if you knew Jesus Christ, you would need to covet because you know you have the best thing there is in the cosmos. Nothing is greater or better or more wonderful than Him. You would know it. You wouldn't be coveting things in the world. That's why people abuse and become addicted to all kinds of drugs and different kinds of things. Bad theology. God made you to be addicted to Him. <laughs> it's why people are unkind. It's why men, and I understand even some women, are addicted to pornography. It's bad theology. Right? It's why people live beyond their means. They think the stuff is going to fill up their souls. It's bad theology. It's why nations war against nations. It's why children old enough to know better disrespect their parents. It's bad theology. Your parents are just a picture of the authority of God. Right? It's why people use profanity. Just bad theology. It's why spouses abandon one another. It's why people hoard money and they don't like to give. It's why people complain. It's why mothers and fathers abort their children. It's why people fornicate, commit adultery, and engage in homosexuality. It's why hate, greed, envy, vanity, pride, insecurity, selfishness, boredom, indifference, superiority, inferiority, lack of purpose, discontent, and hopelessness, etc., 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 and every uh, despicable sin of mankind exists. It's bad theology. 
Psalm 100 is good theology. <laughs> Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. And right, and, and your life is to be a little ripple of that, right? In your orbit, your life, your life is a ripple of Psalm 100, verse 1. I was at the hospital a couple of years ago with Karen. You guys, some of you know, she went through cancer. and I still remember that afternoon. I was sitting there. I was watching all the broken people walk by. And, and I thought, why all this brokenness? And it's just bad theology. Satan told Adam and Eve that God was holding out on them. Right? They believed Him. The rest is history. It's all predicated on bad theology. So I hope I've made my point. And it's why I'm in Psalm 100. There's a verse that some of us don't have memory skills like others. Some of us are gifted in that way. Some of us aren't. But there's a verse you can, all of us can memorize. Okay? It's um, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Who knows what it is? Chenelon knows what it is. It's the only verse I've ever memorized completely, totally accurately. Do you know what it is? Because I've said it several times. You don't know what it is. You do know what it is. Okay, I, I don't mean to embarrass you. Pray at all times. That's wrong, Josh. You should pay more close attention. It's a good guess, brother. It's a good guess. Rejoice. Always. That's good theology. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. You can do it. You say, Jim, my mind's not what it used to be. But you can do this. Rejoice always. That's what God calls His people to. Rejoice always. It's your worst day that you, you could possibly encounter. Job falls to his knees and he worships God. This is what true believers do. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Even when we're sorrowful, and yes, it's a mystery, but that's the kind of joy that God infuses and brings to the lives of its people. It's who God is. It's what God's done. It's what He is doing. It's what He will do for a billion eternities, which is to fill His people with joy. He is, as Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.11, He is the blessed God. What does blessed mean? It means happy. He's the happy God. And you know, you ask your average Christian, is God happy? I don't know that your average Christian would even know what to say. Of course He's happy. He's happy in Himself. You know, before you came along, before the human race came along, it was just God and it was just the Father, the Son, and the Trinity forever. And they were infinitely happy and satisfied in that relationship. He didn't need the world. He didn't need all this. He is the happy God. And I love what one preacher says about Psalm 100. The infinitely happy God is calling His happy people to happy worship. It's what I call you to today, right? And if you're looking at the biblical God, you know, you turn and you look at God, you're hearing a lot of uh, contrasting voices, you're, hearing, you're getting a, a, you know, a lot of conflicting messages, but you turn and you look at God and be happy. Shout joyfully to the Lord 
all the earth. So Psalm 46 led me to Psalm 1, and I hope that you'll follow along with me in the text. You heard the text read. I'll pick up here. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord, (laughs) all the earth. It's God's command. This is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. God says, shout to me. And I will say this. If you have met Him, you understand that you must shout to this great God. He's worthy of a shout. (laughs) You know, one of my old friends used to say, hey man, you know, if we actually, you know, had some small sense of how great God was and what He's done in our behalf and the inheritance that we have in Him, we would all die shouting. I believe that that is very true. I believe that that is true. Are you bored with Christ? Then you don't know Him. You don't know Him. If you find Him boring and tedious and inconvenient, you don't know Him yet. Because when you know Him, all of that falls away. It just all falls away. I'm not saying we think rightly all the time about Christ. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if we have seen Him, He becomes our supreme and preeminent treasure. He demands a shout. Seriously? I preach too much theology? I don't think so. Who else is going to tell you about Christ? Who else is going to tell you but a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church? Nobody else in the world will tell you about the true Jesus Christ. Nobody else will tell you. Only a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. No one else is going to tell you that you were created to shout to the Lord. We should have sang that song. I'm telling you, you were created and redeemed to shout to the Lord. You say, Jim, I don't have any shouting in me. Then you need to go do some business with God. I lovingly say, you need to go do some business with God. If you don't feel the need to shout to Jesus Christ. A shout of praise and joy and happiness and love and fullness and satisfaction and victory and contentment and excitement and astonishment and amazement. And here's my favorite, anticipation. A shout of anticipation of all that God has prepared for us. Amen? Eye has not seen nor ear heard all that God has prepared for His people. You either believe it or you don't believe it. You know, it's either real or academic. And God knows... He can just watch your life. He knows knows if you believe it or not. You say, Jim, well, I haven't shouted lately. I'm not just talking about the audible thing. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your deeds. I'm talking about your habits. Do they shout to the greatness of God? It reminds me of Joshua at Jericho, right? What, What were the people supposed to do? 
Remember, they were supposed to march a little bit and blow some trumpets and stuff. I don't remember. I did go read all the text. but And then they were supposed to... What happened when they shout? When they shouted? Jericho, the walls were like wide enough for two chariots to, 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 you know, to, to roll side by side. And all God's people did was shout. And the walls came down. God created and redeemed you to shout to the Lord. This is no small thing to God. God doesn't, you know, say things to hear Himself speak. He commands His people, shout to the Lord joyfully. Shout to the Lord. You know, okay, I'm going to say this in love. I do love you. I want every one of you to come back. I know from experience some of you won't. I hope all of you do. But if worshiping Jesus is a chore, you're in the wrong place. If this is a chore for you, if you have to work it into your schedule, you know, you know, um, if it's a chore, I'll pray for you if it's a chore. Yes, this is a redeemed garage. Yes, the world knows, thinks it's a crummy little place. But God's people meet here and we shout for joy. We shout for joy. For He is worthy. C.S. Lewis is right. Famous Christian apologist in the 20th century. Christians are seriously joyful and joyfully serious. Amen? God says, shout joyful to the Lord all the earth. And I just looked at some of the other excerpts from other Psalms. If you want the references, email me. I'll send them to you. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. The floods lift up their voice. The heavens are glad. The earth rejoices. The sea and all it contains roar. The field and all that is in it exalts. The trees sing for joy. The world roars. The rivers clap. And the mountains sing for joy before the Lord. Before the God of the whole earth. Creation is singing a praise to God. I just wrote a book about creation. It'll be out, God willing, this week. I'll let you know about it. All creation is praising God. All creation is shouting to the, about the greatness of God. It's what He's calling you to do too. <laughs> don't be bested by a rock, right? What did Jesus say? The rocks will cry out if my people don't. Don't be bested by a rock, beloved. So God means for every nation, tongue, and tribe to cry out and to shout His praise. Let me just go real quick. Revelation 7, 9. Let me just read it to you. This is, this is the consummation of all that Jesus is doing. All these things, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, tongue, and tribe standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were... Well, were in their hands and they, they cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb, beloved, you were created and redeemed to shout glory to God. And I'll just ask you, is that what your life is about? 
Is that what your life is about? Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. This is one of the hallmarks of true conversion. Joy. It's the man from Matthew 13.44. He found the treasure in the field and from what? He did what? Anybody remember? From joy he sold all that he had that he might possess the field, of course, which is a metaphor for Jesus Christ. It is a distinguishing mark of a true Christian. This irrepressible joy. You know, go read Philippians. Paul's in prison. You can't hold the man down. Right? You can't hold his joy down. It's irrepressible. He shouts for joy in prison. He's probably going to be beheaded soon. He shouts for joy to his great God. You can't take his shout. You can't take his joy. It's the way Christians prosecute life. So yeah, <laughs> try and stop me. Uh, my spiritual mentor, for many years, he used to give the illustration. You know, I grew up in a, in a tradition where people were invited to come down front and, and make some decision for God, and that's all good, unless it's done under psychological pressure and emotional pressure, which make, renders it useless. God doesn't use emotional and psychological pressure. God uses the power of His Word and the work of His Spirit. I don't have to stand up here and manipulate you. And any pastor who does is not worthy of his salt. But he used to say, you know, um, you know, if I was inviting people to come to Christ and they really saw Him and there was a machine gun down front, you know, ready for anybody who stepped out, He said, you couldn't stop a true Christian, man. They're going to charge the machine gun, right? That's how it is. It's just how it is. It's how it is with Jesus. So try and stop me from serving Jesus. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm saying... I am sold out. I've got miles to go, but this last episode back home, I had to revisit all my commitments, and I want Christ. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. There is no fiction in our songs. Amen? Great is your faithfulness. <laughs> Amen. There's no fiction in our songs. And nobody sings like Christians, right? It's kind of the way we're shouting, right? Nobody sings like a born-again believer. Nobody sings like we do from the very core and you know, essence of our heart because He's an awesome God. Verse 3, Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So, do you know it? Do you know you're created? You know, as, as Francis Schaeffer talks about, the, you know, it's, it's being aware of the createdness of things that makes a human being humble. It's, the un, it's, it's those silly people that you have to just pity them who believe that everything just happened by accident, right? The, the people who, who buy into the Big Bang and to buy into macroevolution, you, know, you just have to feel sorry for them. I pity them. I pity listening to their, com, to their arguments. I, I pity them. It's irrational, illogical. It's not coherent. Uncreatedness 
It's the worst thing you... You know, taking createdness from a human being is the worst thing you can take. I believe from a human being. Do you know you're created? If you know you're created, you're seeking God. You'll just... You'll realize, I've got I to gotta seek God. I've got to be reconciled to God. I've got to find out who He is. I've got to find out what it means to be alive. I've got to find out what eternity is about. I have to find out. It's what I need to learn. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And you meet a lot of so-called Christians and they just want to do the minimum expected. Right? I just want to, I want to be called a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I want to do the minimum expected. Again, I lovingly say, if you're in that group, I call you to repent. You can't do verse 1 unless you know verse 3. Know that the Lord Himself is God. You will not do verse 1 lest you understand verse 3. And if you have any confusion about the statement the Lord Himself is God, He will certainly not be doing verses 1 and 2 of this psalm. If you know He's God, you will shout joyfully to the Lord. You will serve the Lord with gladness. You will come before Him with joyful singing. It's what true believers do. It's why biblical theology matters. It's why we preach the Bible here. I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about current events. I don't talk about interesting side notes in the world. I don't ultimately care. I'm not saying they're completely unimportant, but what I'm saying is compared to God, they are unimportant. God is the most urgent need you have. If you don't understand that Jesus Christ is the most urgent need you have, then you haven't understood what it means to be a fallen human being. And you've been deceived by this prosperous world we live in. And you think you can trust in your prosperity. Beloved, your prosperity could be gone like that. And everything else you think you have. But we talked about it last week. <laughs> Nothing can separate you from the love of God. This is why we shout! Right? Nothing can separate me from the love of God so our goal here at ICM is to give you an expansive view of God. Because when you have a, an expansive view of God, you live an expansive life. And God will save many people in the wake of your life because they'll smell God on you. Right? It's why He's left you on the planet. So every time you come in here, I'm going to push you to the wall about this. I want you to look at God when you come in here. I want to look at God when I come in here and I want to be changed. You guys know John 8, 31-32. I bring it up a lot in my preaching. If you abide in My Word, good theology, then you are truly My disciples and you shall know the truth, good theology, and the truth, good theology, shall make you what? Some of you aren't free. 
Okay, I, I came back from the States and I was not feeling free. I was feeling torn and conflicted. I spent a week looking at God and I, I'm happy to report, as I told Josh earlier, I'm free to do what God's called me to do. I promise you, you look at God, just look at Him, man, the biblical one, you'll be free. You've never been so free than when you are taking long looks at Jesus Christ. The Lord has made us. We're not grown-up germs. We'll talk more about that next week. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You know, the 23rd Psalm kicks in. It just kicks in, right? The 23rd Psalm is yours. The 23rd Psalm is yours. God means for you to live the 23rd Psalm. Well, that is... How does, uh, how does uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrase that, that? I think it's verse 6. I don't remember. Yeah, verse 6. God's beauty and love chase after us every day. Okay. Do you believe it? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Do you believe it? If you believe it, why aren't you shouting? Again, metaphorically. Why aren't you shouting in the world? Why aren't you shouting at work? Why aren't you shouting at home? Why aren't you shouting on the internet? Why aren't you shouting on Facebook? If you believe that the eternal God's love is chasing after you every day. Beloved, I, I don't, and I fail miserably, but I really don't understand people who claim to be Christians and it's this small in their life. They're, some of their friends don't even know they're Christians. Some of their acquaintances, they're good acquaintances, they have no idea that they claim to be a Christian. They don't ever talk about it. They never bring Jesus up. How is that possible? I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. Verse 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Are you a thankful person? It's one of the reasons mankind will be judged by God, Romans chapter 1, because they did not give thanks. Are you a complainer? Of course you're a complainer. You're a human being. But what I am calling you to do and what God is calling His people to do is to stop that and to be thankful. I say it all the time in here. You want to, you know, uh, focus and fixate on the three things that aren't perfect in your life when God has done countless things in your life that you never acknowledge. Beloved, we're all guilty here. I'm exhibit A. I find my mind wants to go to the thing that's unresolved and God is telling me, let your mind run out to all the things I've done in your life that you can't even begin to quantify. You'll spend an eternity trying to quantify what good I have done you. And it won't be enough time. That's what I'm saying, beloved. Are you a thankful person? Listen, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be thankful. It just lightens your step, man. It changes everything. When you learn to be thankful to God... It changes everything. 
It changes everything. It changes your perspective on every last thing in your life. To be thankful to God. Enter into His gates with thankfulness. Thanksgiving. You know, one theologian calls it uh, thanks living, right? A life of thanks living. So God's inviting you to be free. To live a life of thanks living. Some of you are worried about what you don't have. Seriously. You belong to Christ and you're worried about some temporal thing you don't have? When you have that which is most valuable, for all eternity it's most valuable. A relationship with the living God? Beloved, dispense with this mental garbage. Dispense with it. Get into the Psalms and delight in your God. I like what Eugene Peterson paraphrases this. He says, enter with the password, thank you! Every morning, just scream it out. Okay, Kyle. I'm going to ask Amy. In the morning. Thank you! Right? Thank you, God! As you know, your next heartbeat's a gift. Your next brainwave's a gift. The oxygen is His. The software that runs your body is His. It's His intellectual property. You are nothing apart from God. And you can't be thankful? Something's bad wrong here, beloved. Something's seriously wrong when we can't be thankful. So what is God saying? We know this. If you've been around very long, you know that you know, when God talks about, about praising Him, what is that? Those, those, some of you have been around for a, lot, a while. What, when God says, praise me, um, what's God saying? You say, well, I see all this stuff in the Bible about praising God. It's God's invitation. God is saying, come and enjoy me. That's what God is saying. Praise is always the consummation of enjoyment. So we, when you see God saying, praise me, you know, you don't think of like C.S. Lewis that he's an old woman in search of, the next, of, of, of her next compliment. God doesn't need your compliment. He's not really interested in your compliment. He will fill your soul with joy <laughs> when you come to Him in praise. So it's just the consummation of joy. Okay, verse 5. Let's finish. For the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all Generation. So, I want you to see this pattern. Verse 1 and 2. It's a call to worship. Why? Because our God is God. He's the Creator. We get it. We know it. Even if you don't love Him, you, have to, you, would, you, you would need to at least respect Him for His Creator genius, right? It's the uh, minimum obligation of a created being. Yeah, at least I'll tip my hat to my Creator. Yeah, He's a genius. He's a genius physicist, and He's a genius biologist, and He's a genius neurologist. He's a genius! At least you can respect genius, right? One would hope. Verse 4, call to worship. Why? Because our God is good, loving, merciful, and faithful. Do you see why we preach a lot of theology at 
ICM, it's necessary, beloved. It's necessary for you. My best gift to you is the Word of God handled with integrity. That I'll just hold up God and you get a glimpse, you get changed, and then you go live your life. It's all I have to offer. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to offer. i got a good friend who's in the pastorate. You know, everybody, everybody comes to him and they, they, they want him to solve their problems. He says, man, all i got for you is the Word of God. If the Word of God's not enough for you, I don't have anything for you. I can't help you. If you're not interested in what God says, I can't help you. I don't have anything else to give you. <laughs> it's the most awesome gift mankind has ever received. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. The Word revealed, the Word incarnate. So at ICM, we work hard to know who God is from the Bible. The litmus test, I think I said this last week, the litmus test is not whether you like what the Bible says. That's not the litmus test. Some of you have read the Bible and it, it, it's cross-cultural and you've not said it out loud, but you don't like it. That's not the litmus test of whether it's true and good and necessary. What is the litmus test? That the Word of God is true and good and necessary. God said it. <laughs> That's all. You know, he doesn't apologize. He's not apologizing for what He said. He says the truth and invites every man, woman, boy and girl to respond. It's on you. It's on you and it's on me. Bad theology hurts people. So at ICM, we don't have a cool pastor. Maybe one day you will. When I croak, I'll probably be running. Amy, at some point, I'll be running and I'll just croak. I'll just die because I'm old and I'm running. I shouldn't be running at my age, probably. And then you maybe could have a cool pastor. You know? But presently, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in relevant messages. I'm interested in getting you like so in love with God that you radiate Him in the world. So, Jim, I've got a thousand problems. I know you do. I'm a human being as well. I've got, got a thousand too. <laughs> but you have the privilege to radiate Jesus Christ. You have the privilege to shout in the world. So we open our Bibles here and we... We just behold how beautiful He is, how stunning, spectacular, magnificent, wonderful, awesome, and breathtaking He is. We join in with the heavens and the floods and the earth and the sea and all it contains and the field and all that it contains and the trees and the world and the rivers and the mountains. We shout praise to God. This has nothing to do with religion. It's all about relationship. I know this awesome God. Jesus prays, this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. That's relevant. That's relevant. That's my definition of relevant. Okay? So, don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget this. Shout joyfully.
to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. Amen and amen. Let this be the signature and aroma of your life. Shout to the Lord. Everybody in your orbit should be asking, what's up with you and Jesus? Everybody should be asking. Your kids should be asking. What's up with you, Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this call to joy. <laughs> this call to joy. To shout and rejoice in our great Creator, Redeemer God, who is a God like you. <laughs> there is none. We love You, Father. We praise You, Father. Teach us to be Your people. Teach us to be the salt and the light. Teach us to be Your witnesses. Teach us how to shout that You may be honored and glorified. We pray this in His wonderful matchless and beautiful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Shall we? Let's